scripture reading this morning is from Luke 19, 28 through 40. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that, has no, that, has, that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt, just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. In, into cheers. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. And so as we reflect together on this bizarre story and hopeful story uh, and funny story, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, uh, the journey here, uh, as he's been saying that he's going to do for a little while. He's been telling everybody, you know, it's, it's necessary that I must go to Jerusalem, uh, that I'll be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and I'll suffer, and then I'll be, you know, crucified, and then I'll rise on the third day. And people kind of scratching their heads throughout that, trying to figure out what was going on. But there is a great scene, and there's a lot of anticipation surrounding these events. So we can kind of feel it and see it with the, the idea of these palms and cloaks everywhere and just extended royalty and people saying, hey, this something big is happening here. It's a, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. You know, if you, if you were in that culture and you knew the stories from Zechariah and you knew you'd been hearing the stories from the Second Temple Judaism area where these kings would be victorious and they would come into town for these great parades. It's almost like the old ticker tape parades that you see like in New York City and you think about where there's something big that's happened and then there's a parade sort of to honor it and the ruler comes in on this war horse and everything's glamorous and big and wow, we are in great hands. The people that are leading us are so powerful. We're going to be secure and we're going to be in good shape. And then you also have this long-awaited hope of Israel who's been looking for a Messiah. They've been looking for somebody to save them for years. They wonder when it's going to be their turn, when the Roman oppression is going to stop bearing down on them so hard. And they're looking and they're looking. And and in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, I'm going to Jerusalem uh, and I'm going to be this Messiah. But it's not quite what they thought. So there's a lot that's missed. And we marvel, no matter what else you notice in the story, we marvel together at the unimpressive vehicle 
of a cult. You know, no matter what you were going to do, if you wanted to show off coming into a city as a victorious king, you would not choose a cult. And you certainly wouldn't borrow one. And you wouldn't put together this strange event where it's like, hey, you two guys go and ask for this cult. It's going to be tied there. And if someone asks you what you're there for, just say, well, the Lord has need of it. It's the strangest horse borrowing story ever. Uh, and so it unfolds exact, exactly as Jesus said. They get there and they say, hey, uh, we know we're going to take this cult. And they say, why are you taking my cult? And they say, well, the Lord has need of it. Okay, and so that's that. So they bring the cult back to Jesus. And then in Luke's account, they, the disciples take Jesus and they hoist him on the back of this humble animal. And I, just trying to picture that scene is fascinating for me. And so this is what I think of when I think of a victorious kind of king figure that we're hoisting up and saying, hey, we're putting our hope in you. Uh, Tyler, can you cue the image there of, of Coach Landry? I don't, know, I don't know how many of you guys grew up Cowboys fans, but probably a lot of you because uh, we are in Texas. Um, and... Uh, you know, that image of Tom Landry, it just seems like it's been in a million articles, a million papers just talking about what kind of coach he was or what kind of run they had or that sort of thing. But basically what that says, you know, we've won a game, we've done what we came here to do, and so we're going to hoist you up, coach, and we're going to show you to the world. And basically what they're saying is this is your fault. You're the hero. You're the one that kept us together through all the training and all the stuff. And you taught us. You ran the plays. You coached the plays. You did all the stuff. You're the guy that we put our trust in. And by us lifting us, you up like this, we're saying we trust you to take us where we need to go. You know, we need to get somewhere. We need to win games. And we're going to trust you to, to take us there. So three cheers for Coach Landry, right? Uh, that's kind of what we think of. Well, it when, when Jesus is hoist on the back of this colt and he's coming into town and the people, the disciples begin to cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying this strange word, Hosanna, which just means save us. Save us. You know, they have the same impulse, the same needs, the same fears, the same wants that we do as a people. And just sometimes we know that we need somebody to save us. And so just like the Cowboys would have lifted up Coach Landry and said, we're putting all of our hopes in you. We know you're the only one that can take us to the top. The disciples are hoisting Jesus, and then they're saying, Hosanna, Lord, save us. We need to be saved. We need to know that someone can lead us to victory. And by us calling out Hosanna as you ride by, we're basically saying that you're the one that can do it. You're the only one that can get us where we need to go. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Palm Sunday is a very humbling scene in the story of how God right in front of our eyes becomes king during Holy Week. Uh, this continues the character of Jesus that we have come to love and admire as he teaches, as he heals, as he shows us God's commitment to be with his people. Jesus, as Paul tells us, is the image of the invisible God. And we learn a lot about God by looking at the humble Jesus and the way he rides into town. As we remember the hoist scene, for lack of a better word, maybe there's a better verb for putting someone up somewhere, but I just kept thinking hoist. If that's the wrong word or there's a better word, you know, we'll find it next time. But uh, when I think of the hoist scene here, I just see, you know, the disciples are on board with this ride for the most part. And of course, we know they don't see the whole picture yet. 
And of course, they will resist the gospel in some ways later. And yeah, when the bell rings and Jesus calls for them to be faithful, there are times where they stumble and where they fall, which is a familiar story to us. And another reason that Holy Week is so beautiful, because we can stand there and kneel there and cry there with Peter and realize the ways that we have denied and then the ways that Jesus reaches out to restore us. And so, but before all of that, they, they do get right in on the party. I mean, they, the disciples get in right in line. They're part of the event. And they set Jesus on the back of the colt. And so I think as Jesus sort of rides into town today in front of us, and as we began to imagine this scenery with the children leading us earlier, I think the question always before us is, will we accept this king? Will we cry Hosanna to this king in particular instead of all the other places that we cry Hosanna, whether it be at night on our bed through our tears or whether it's Monday morning when we're laying out our work day? What are we asking to really save us? Will we accept God on these terms, the terms of a humble Messiah? And will we lift Jesus to the place where we recognize him as the humble king? There's always another option. And in this case, the Pharisees really spell out that option for us. So as the disciples are hoorahing and welcoming Jesus into town with all these cries of, Lord, save us, uh, of course, there's a faction. The Pharisees are over here. This is the last time that we really see the Pharisees in the story mentioned. And they are, you know, I think a little embarrassed. And they're a little worried about the repercussions up the chain of command. And so they say, uh, Jesus, can you ask your disciples to put a lid on it, please? Because this is kind of embarrassing. And Jesus says to the Pharisees this beautiful phrase, listen, if they stop saying Hosanna, if they stop praising, if they stop opening their hearts to a new king who is able and willing to save them, then the very stones on the ground will cry out. And with Jesus telling the Pharisees that, it's just this great reminder that there's a song that's been sung since the beginning of time. And it's all creation that's echoing the praise of God. It's all creation that would welcome and wait for a true Messiah, a humble Messiah, who could save his people in just the right way, in the most fitting way that would connect with us on the deepest level of our humanity in all the places that we knew that we needed a Savior. I've always thought it was kind of interesting that these rocks would cry, you know, and, and I imagine there's even some songs about, you know, we won't let the rocks cry out, so we'll just praise louder, and that's wonderful stuff. But I think it's important to remember what particularly Jesus is saying and alluding to that the rocks might say. And it's the very thing that's on the lips of the children. It's the very thing that is on the lips of our kids today and us as we stand and sing Hosanna that the whole universe has been saying there is one king who is worthy to save us. And there is one king that we should trust to save us. And he comes into town in this humble way. And his name is Jesus. And he is here before us. So may we trust him together. May we lean into him together. And may we find on our lips the same song that's been sung for millions of years. Amen.